Welcome to What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong, the Coconutia's trending news on pop culture stories from around the region. Today is November 24th, 2022. From Jakarta, I'm Andrew Nazri. And from Manila, I'm Sam Biltran. So, Andrew, what is going on in the world? Uh, well, the obvious thing is the World Cup, obviously, which is happening in Qatar. None of the coconut countries are partaking, obviously, for obvious reasons. Exactly. Because we're not even nearly the best in Asia, let alone the world, right? Um, you mean Indonesia isn't the best football team in Asia? I know. We're so obsessed with the sport. You think we're good at it, but no. Like I think Thailand, Thailand I mean, has that accolade. Oh, yeah. Southeast yeah, Asia, yeah. For yeah sure, that could Thailand be that that accolade. possible. Yeah. Anyway, the World Cup, right? We all know uh, about all the worker deaths and uh, human rights abuses and all the controversies surrounding the you know LGBTQ plus not being able to one represent themselves and two people who do actually go there are actually like in fear of their safety. So hopefully nothing bad comes out of that in Qatar. But I got to tell you though, as a lifelong football fan, seeing how this World Cup, like on paper, it is pro- possibly the closest competitively in recent memory. Like I've been watching the World Cup since '94, and I don't see teams. Wow. I haven't seen a World Cup where there is no clear favorite like this year. I mean, oh, so that's exciting! It's anyone's ball game, kind of literally. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you heard, but even Saudi Arabia pulled off a huge upset against Argentina. Argentina, you know, being led by the greatest player of all time, Lionel Messi. I would clarify that he's probably the greatest attacker of all time because, as I told you before, he can't defend. So, yeah, they beat Argentina 2-1 on Tuesday, and that was just incredible. That is the magic of the beautiful game, you know? And I can't help but be excited about all of it. Sure, but okay, as a non-football fan, who should people be looking out for? I mean, you you mentioned that, you know, there aren't any clear favorites, but with Mm. what's going on so far and based on the last World Cup, like what are the teams worth you know paying attention to well what one would have said argentina but again they got spanked by by a, by a very intelligent saudi um game any dark horses uh it's really hard brazil they're always favorites but they're very emotional people their players right it gets in their head pretty easily um germany they're not as good as they should be france look pretty good but they lost their star striker, Karim Benzema. England, they're never really favorites. Spain are the probably the worst we've seen of them in a while. Yeah. But who are you personally rooting for anyway? Okay, just because I'm I'm rooting for them doesn't mean that I approve of everything they have done to, to sure. get this World Cup, to get to be able to be able to host this World Cup and all the abuses that they have done. But as you know, I have I grew up in Qatar. So yeah, I, I have no choice but to root for them because I can't, I, I can't, oh. like, you, know, you know, you know how it is in Southeast Asia, right? Like right. you root for countries that are not, that are not your own. A lot of football fans here do that. And I just don't really get sure. that. Yeah, you can, they can do whatever they want, but no, I can't do that. So I guess the closest thing I have to any, any team that represents me is Qatar. To a hometown team, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I was, I was glad hey. that they, <laughs> they are, they are. I, because that's why, like, at the same time, I was glad that they got spanked by Ecuador. Spanked, like a, 
naughty boy. They're probably mm. like that. Mm. Huh? Mm. They probably mm. like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before we get in trouble, um, yeah, let's talk about the top stories of the week from our region. From a man painting artwork with his teepee to alien worshippers in Bangkok, Coconuts TV brings you wacky and impactful documentaries from across the region. Don't miss out! Head down to our Coconuts TV YouTube channel to subscribe and enjoy. So, the title of this podcast, WTF, is probably never going to be as apt as it is right now because we're all wondering what the fuck is going on with the Malaysia elections right now. And thankfully... We have Coconut Scale reporter Amina with us to tell us about this convoluted hot mess over in Malaysia. Hello, Amina. Hi, Andra. Thanks for having me. And you are right. It's really what the fuck is going on in this country. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's let's start from the beginning, though. The general election, I think it was over the weekend, right? Yeah. So the 15 Malaysian general election was held on November 19th, last Saturday. And this is the first general election where 18 years old are eligible to vote. And so we saw roughly 14.8 million votes were cast for the first time ever. This is like our highest vote count. So in Malaysia, in order for you to be able to form a majority government, you need to win 112 seats. Unfortunately, for the first time ever, the election result resulted in a hung parliament whereby neither parties won 112 seats. So neither had a majority. Mm-hmm. So Pakatan Harapan, the one that collapsed in 2020, secured 37.5% of the vote, whereas its opponent, Pakatan National, got the second biggest share of the vote at 30%. So right now, Pakatan Harapan and Pakatan National does not, they do not have a majority to form a government. So that is kindly what's making us absolutely dazed and confused in this country. Mm. Sure. Because both sides are saying that they do have the majority, but as days have gone since like Saturday, nobody really knows if they really even have the numbers. So our monarch has gotten involved in this. So right now we have Pakatan Harapan and Pakatan National. And our kingmaker is Barisan National. So Barisan National, they ruled Malaysia for like over 60 years. In the 2018 general election, they lost. And they continued losing in this general election, whereby they contested about more than 190 seats, but they only won 30 seats. So that's really bad. And yeah, you could wow. say that, yeah. So you could say that Perkata National is the new Barisan National. We speculate that majority of BN supporters went over to Pukata National. So there's that. But right now, Barisan National has emerged as the kingmaker, whereby it depends on who it wants to vote because whoever it votes, the other person, the other party gets a majority. But it really depends on who they want to vote, as in Barisan National. Yeah. Yeah. So, so right now, Barisan National right, loves a hung parliament. Huh. Uh, I guess you would say, but the thing is that since Saturday, so election happened, hung parliament, and then on Sunday, the king came out with a statement and asked all the parties to figure out who wants to vote who and deliver deliver the majority, whether PN or PH. At first, Pakatan Harapan was in talks with Barisan National in order to form a, a government, apparently a unity government. 
a day mm. later on Tuesday, they came out and said, you know what? We just want to be the opposition. We're not supporting either of you. So obviously, you were like, what? What just happened? You know? Yeah. And then after, after Barisan National came out with that statement saying that they don't want to spot either PN or PH, the monarch invited the two leaders from Pakatan National and Pakatan Harapan, Anwar, Anwar Ibrahim and Muhyiddin Yassin, to the palace. And I think they couldn't come to a conclusion because according to Muhyiddin Yassin, who is the leader of Pakatan National, he told the media that the king had suggested for them to form a unity government, but Muhyiddin did not want that. Perikatan National did not want that. Perikatan National outright rejected that idea. So, so, we're, so at, we're at a really, really, I guess it's going to be a long stalemate uh, by the sounds of it. What I, is going I mean, to happen I, next? When are you getting your okay. prime minister? So, okay, so Muhyiddin has rejected, so Han Parliament, all that shit, and now Muhyiddin has rejected a unity government with Pakatan Harapan, right? So, on uh, Wednesday, the monarch met with 30 Barisan National MPs, you know, the kingmakers, to find out who they supported. And after that meeting concluded, the monarch came out with a different statement saying that, okay, now that that's done, we are going to have a meeting with all nine rulers of the state. So that is happening on Thursday. Okay. And then that's when we'll find out what, what, what is exactly happening. But right now, we have no idea who has the majority, who doesn't have the majority, who's going to be prime minister, because things are really turning around very quickly. It's like one minute the media is reporting that Anwar Ibrahim will be prime minister. The next minute, we are speculating something else. So Malaysia mm. is in a very uncertain position right now. So that's not very good for the country. Lah. What's likely going to be like the next steps that would happen um, you know just to kind of make sense of this you know political shit show i think if we really cannot come to either party having a majority to form a government i think the last thing to do would be to call pakatan harapan to form a minority government because that has happened before in the uk when neither side had the majority but that's totally up to the monarch to decide yeah, on whether he wants to do that or not. Legal experts would say that a minority government is a very fragile government, so you want to avoid that at all costs. Whereas I think it could still work because we need a government and we need a prime minister right now. And anyway, I don't see how else can they come to an agreement unless Barisan National chooses to back up one of these parties. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. else we'll just have to face a minority government for the time being. All right. Thank you so much, Amina, for yeah, well, your I'm explanation on this. I hope you don't sl lose sleep over this uh, election and, and the aftermath. Yeah, probably. I hope you stay yeah. sane. <laughs> uh, but uh, I understand that you wrote an explainer about what has happened uh, so far. Yes. So just so that the public knows what has been going on since Saturday, you could check out my explainer on Coconut Scale. It is called Who Will Be Malaysia's Next Top Prime Minister? And why we still don't know four days after the election. All right. Thank you so much, yeah. Amina. Thanks. Good luck Thanks. With that. Moving away from KL, we go to Indonesia. Coconut Jakarta has been reporting about an earthquake, a 5.6 magnitude earthquake that struck near Cianjur Regency in West Java. This earthquake struck on November 21st in the afternoon. And so far, as of this recording time, the death toll stands at 268 people. Another tragedy out of Indonesia. 
sadly. So, yeah, Sam, so everybody's been saying nobody has really expected that what is considered basically a moderate quake could be so devastating, right? I know. 5.6 isn't even like the worst, mm, probably, that your country has come across in the past years. We have had way stronger earthquakes. But the thing with uh, with Chianjur is that if you look at the footage uh, that has been going around, it was pretty apparent that even a moderate earthquake was going to level the buildings, like the standards they were at, you know, they did not adhere to any building codes, if there were even any, uh, because the area is pretty much, I wouldn't say stricken with poverty, but it's like a low income region. So like basically I'm imagining haphazardly built buildings, would there be sort of like any kind of indications in terms of infrastructure that, you know, things would just fall so quickly after being yeah. shaken like that? Yeah. I have been to to the area and a lot of it was, you know, cheaply built. I, I it's hard to cast blame on on anybody at this point, uh, you know, because Mm. Um, the people can't afford to build more sturdy houses. At the same time, the the, gov- the regional government don't really have the means to enforce like strict building codes that you know ensure that buildings uh, stand up to earthquakes as they did in you know in Jakarta. Because you know we felt it. A lot of people felt it in Jakarta, but there was no uh, devastation at all in the capital because Jakarta is like some hundred kilometers north uh, west of Cianjur, um, so it's not really that far. But just just comparing the destruction, uh, it really says a lot. It almost feels like Chianjur has been neglected all this time. And right. this is what come what is coming out of that, unfortunately. So what have people been saying, you know, about the, the whole thing? Like what does the government plan to do about, you know, the situation in Chianjur? Well, the, that's the thing. Like the central government can't really do anything about this. All they can say is uh, you know, they can offer their condolences and uh, we'll make sure that aid uh, gets into the region and we'll rebuild. You know, it's all rhetoric uh, for now, but it, I, I doubt that things are really going to change uh, unless people are generally better off in, in Chianjur right. and, and most Damn. of rural Indonesia for that matter. So, yeah. Oh, my God, that really sucks, you know. And just to think that a lot of the deaths were, you know, were children, right? Mm. It just kind of really yeah. tugs at the heartstrings. And, you know, my, my, my heart really goes out to the people affected in that region in Indonesia. Such a sad story. Indeed. Okay, moving on to Bangkok, where it's more about more cannabis talk, right? So mm. senior officials in Thailand have insisted that cannabis will not be recriminalized. So that's what the deputy prime minister said earlier this week. And he said that the Narcotics Control Board has no authority to reverse the ministerial order that moved cannabis from the Category 5 narcotics list. And so the statement came in response to a meeting that was held by the board to discuss the current legal framework around cannabis as some reports had suggested that the board might decide to overrule the Ministry of Health's decree, which is kind of shitty news for like all the bars that are making serious talk <laughs> out of cannabis yeah. if that were to happen, right? Yep. But, you know, the health minister also insisted that cannabis will never go back to being an illicit drug again. 
this health minister, um, Anutin, who was the primary proponent of decriminalizing cannabis, noted that there are both supporters and opponents of the issue, but said that the latter group's arguments do not deter his stance. He also said that there is an urgent need for a legal mechanism to regulate cannabis as soon as possible, and a proposed Cannabis Act is in fact anticipated to enter the parliament, but deliberation by votes may take several weeks. So, yeah. Guys, if it's been slow read, moving. It's been slow it moving. It has, it has. Time. Like we've, because... we've 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 been reporting about you know this cannabis act for a while now, and you know I guess you know it keeps getting thumbed down for various reasons. Yeah, and and we chatted with our friends over in Coconuts Bangkok, and they they always Indeed keep saying did. that it would be it would be so embarrassing for Thailand on the international stage if they reversed their cannabis decriminalization and so for that reason it's probably never going to happen Toka, yeah i mean i think it's too late for them to do it at this point yeah yeah so guess you know you potheads in thailand have nothing to worry about <laughs> okay moving on to coconuts bali sam let me ask you this what is your opinion on charitable people who like to post about their philanthropic acts on social media that is annoying as fuck but you know i mean like better i guess you know good for them in a way i guess compared to to me who's just silently judging them from you know the screen of my smartphone (laughs) i guess you know they've actually (laughs) done something but i cannot deny that shit is annoying as fuck yeah what say you well I, i don't know if you'll forgive this Australian beauty influencer by the name of Kelsey Mm. Foster. Okay, so what happened here in Bali recently was that Foster, she posted on Facebook about her visit to an orphanage in Bali, right, where she handed her donation to the children there. Her reasoning for that was um, because, you know, she collected donations from back home in Australia and she wanted the donators to know that she has passed on. She has actually delivered what they gave the children through her, right? Mm, um, so basically, so, just kind of like proof picks her didn't happen kind of situation. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I guess in her case, I can kind of accept it, uh, but I'm with you. Sure. Like, I, you know, I don't post stories of my own, you know, because I can't. I don't understand why we have to consistently post about our lives. Uh, we are not celebrities, most of us anyway. Sure. But anyway, Foster got in the spotlight because if you do go, go on over to Coconuts Bali and, and see the photos of her visit to the orphanage, it's pretty apparent what the source of the controversy was. Was it white savory? No, it was her boobs. Basically. Oh my god, of course. Of course it is. This is Coconut's <laughs> Bali after all. Yeah, so <laughs> so she wore this re- this really low plunge top and she is I can't put it any other way. She was um very well endowed. Okay um, then. Foster describes her breasts as their puppies, right? So her puppies, she said, attracted like the worst of uh, you know, naysayers, haters online. But they're mostly sure. from Australia. So they're saying, oh, she was being so inappropriate visit, uh, visiting the orphanage dressed as she was. But, you know, when we first saw the photos, it didn't look like the people in the actual orphanage were offended at all. Because, I mean, you know, if you go, look, if you go to Bali, right? Big 
titties. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs. Dance like dying stars. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs. I can't run real far. Hey, okay, okay. Go, <laughs> yeah. continue. That is actually one that was actually one of her defense. Like, I can't help it. Anyway, because you know, she's got like, yeah, as you say, massive titties. <laughs> and if you know if you've been to Bali, this is seriously normal. Like people okay. dressed like Foster. It is like a beach island, basically, right? Right. You know, uh, like I I told you before, but like people in Bali are basically allergic of bras, and there's like boobies everywhere. Yeah, side boobage. Side boobage, front okay. boobage, whatever, whatever, you know. Uh, so Coconut's Bali's a mom managed to get in touch with Foster and had a pretty deep chat with her. She basically defended herself and, uh, you know, against all the slut shaming and saying that, you know what, I want to do this nice thing. I was hoping that my post could also influence other people. So, well, you know, Aww. what right do these other people have? Like, as you said before, like they haven't really done anything close to as charitable as, as her. And they, sure. all they can do is like, you know, be keyboard warriors and criticize her. Oh, she also said that um, the reason why she was wearing what she did was that she had just come from the beach and she didn't, basically, she didn't have time to change uh, before she went to the, the orphanage. Sure. To the I mean, stuff. you're in Bali, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean wouldn't you be yeah. expected to be kind of like in your, in your swimwear and shit? Okay. Yeah, dude. Okay. That I understand. Like you can be annoying as hell on social media, but there's no slut shaming somebody, especially if that person has done a good deed. Right. Mm. Do go go on over to Coconuts Bali to read Amal's interview with Kelsey Foster. It's pretty fascinating stuff, actually. Interesting. Okay, so on over to Manila, where I don't know, Andra, if you remember a certain someone named Lenny Robredo, um, yep. former vice president, presidential candidate at one point, who's mm. clearly clearly enjoying private life as she is. You know, she's a Harvard Kennedy School fellow, and she just recently spoke at the Obama Foundation's Democracy Forum. But, you know, I mean, what people love about her is that, you know, how she's just hashtag just like us. And she <laughs> did exactly this <laughs> after she posted snaps of her trip from a recent visit to Zurich in Switzerland, where she went sightseeing. And particularly in locations featured in the popular K-drama, which I'm pretty sure you've heard of, Crash yeah. Landing on You. Okay, what's with the groan? No, I like as I told you uh, before, I absolutely cannot stand that show. But I tried. Really, it's not like I didn't give right. it any a fair go, but it lost me at the point where she... When she was parachuting, it was mind-boggling how they didn't stop her despite the weather warning. She was she a went ahead and did it who can do whatever she wants. And what, then she went ahead and did it, it anyway. Okay. And yeah. then she okay. and then she um, got caught in a typhoon, tornado, whatever. Yes, she did. And then yes. there was a fucking tractor and a CGI cow caught in that swirl too. Because you can't have a large die. storm without a tractor and a cow. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't die. And she ended up in North Korea somehow and found the love of her life. <laughs> exactly. Hell. Seriously. She needed She needed to go through a typhoon to find the love oh of her life God. across okay. enemy lines. 
I can't. I just I'm love sorry. that shit. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> well, clearly Lenny Robredo loves it, okay? She yeah. clearly loves it so much that when she went sightseeing, she had to go to the specific sites where because like a part of this kind of takes place in Switzerland, right? Because apparently they were they were kind of there sort of at the same time without really knowing it. She took pictures of herself at the picture sites that were featured in the K-drama. And, you know, kind of even recreated a few of the scenes. So mm. she writes on Facebook. So, okay, I can finally post these photos. I didn't want to post this before today as those who invited me might get embarrassed. Because she, she was apparently there after her series of speeches that she had delivered for the Asia Society in Zurich. Mm. And, yeah, so if you go on over to Coconuts Manila, you can see just exactly the places that she had visited. And, you know, the scenes that she had chosen to recreate with her outfits to boot so some are admittedly it's very picturesque yeah. huh they are it's a I mean, beautiful like, country i have you been have you been yeah. to zurich oh my god bougie hashtag bougie <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Oh my god, you totally rocked into that one Okay, so some of the well-known sites include the lake view in the village of Isertwald Where Hunbin's Captain Ree shot his famous piano scene As well as the famous spy that is seen in the back of the old town of Münsterbrück So she even <laughs> recreated Sari's dramatic scene on the Sigrisville Panorama Bridge Which is a 340 meter suspension bridge So this is kind of like, I think where she was kind of trying to attempt suicide or something and then she oh. was stopped by some people i don't oh. really follow it i'm that's, just picking up deep. context cues from like yeah, yeah yeah people clearly loved it you know we we love a former vice president and a stateswoman who loves her key dramas from time to time right meh that's <laughs> <laughs> my response to that <laughs> anyway you know, it's the end of 2022 almost. Concerts are basically being announced right, left, and center in Southeast Asia. We're getting so many in Jakarta, and I know you're getting a lot too in Manila. And obviously, the yes. hub of it all, Singapore. You know, that's where all the good ones go, basically. So Singapore is getting Sting, who is going to perform Ooh. at the Star Theater in March. Would you go? And holy shit, he is now 71 years old. Are you serious? And did you know that would his real go? name is Gordon Matthew Thomas Sumner? No, I don't oh, think I would I have go. no idea. I don't think Ooh. I would go. He was Gordon way, Sumner. He was way before my time. Oh. I didn't even know that every breath you take was his or the police's. Um, oh my God, no, right, right? Did, did you grow yeah. up with that, you know, like that funky gospel version? Yeah, the I yeah. want to say R and B version. Yeah, which is R and B, which is better, I think. Like, I'm not going to go to Sting's concert, but if you do want to, uh, if you happen to be in Singapore in March. We should know that the concert will showcase his most beloved songs like Fields of Gold. Do you know how that one goes? No idea, actually. Okay. 
Shape of My Heart, Roxanne. I know how Roxanne goes, but I'm not going to sing it for you. Demolition Man, Demolition New York, Every Breath, Every Breath You Take, as I said earlier, and Message in a Bottle. I like Message in a Bottle. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty. Good I think song. I think to me it it's only slightly below Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera. <laughs> oh my God, Genie in the Bottle is the shit though. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, uh, I can't. I, I'm gonna have my head chopped off by um, <laughs> enthusiasts. I know. <laughs> oh my God, you are gonna get sent death threats by this shit. Okay. Yep. 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 So yeah, he's going to be in Singapore Star Theater on March twenty second with an electric rock ensemble. Okay, so if you guys wanna, you know, listen to every breath you take live, then I guess better get your ass to the Star Theater in March. All right, so Andra, one city's making a comeback in this podcast. So from Singapore, we go on over to Hong Kong. Where a T-Rex skeleton was pulled from an auction after a paleontologist raised doubts about its authenticity. Ooh, drama. Oh. Okay, so if you were hoping, just in case, to purchase your very own authentic Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton to live out your Jurassic Park fantasies, well, you are out of luck for the time being. So I guess, you know, better luck next time. As the sale of the very first T-Rex skeleton ever to be offered at an auction in Asia has been cancelled, potentially due to fossil fraud. I've so never he was heard named that Shen. phrase before. Fossil fraud. And I know. But it should are. be a thing. It sounds like it should be a thing, you know, fossil fraud. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember that, you know, Shen the T-Rex did kind of make a bit of a splash in the headlines when this was first revealed. And true enough, uh, this skeleton had been said to be the centerpiece of an auction that's being held by Christie's, no less, where it was mm. expected to go for between 15 to $25 million. But a British auction house announced that it would be withdrawing the deluxe dino skeleton from the sale. So a spokesperson said that after a consultation with the consigner of the Tyrannosaurus Rex scheduled for sale on November 13 in Hong Kong, Christie's has decided to withdraw the lot. The consigner has now decided to loan the specimen to a museum for public display. So but what's the fuss you know, about that? Do they like sneak in elephant bones in there to make a, to make a complete set? Um, <laughs> I don't know. think so. Oh my God. Okay. So yeah, no. But, you know, a particular paleontologist, specifically Pete Larson, who is the president of the Black Hills Institute of Geological Research in South Dakota, told the New York Times in particular that parts of the Shen skeleton bore an unmistakable resemblance to the skeleton of another T-Rex dubbed Stan. <laughs> the Black Hills paleontologist had excavated in the 1990s. So, you know, Shen, Stan kind of, you know, I guess, makes sense oh, that they okay. look alike, they yeah. sound alike. Yeah. yeah, so uh, one example that he noted is that the Shen skeleton skull had holes in its lower jaw that were unique to stand. So no elephant bones in there, but mm. you know, definitely a case of, you know, possibly kind of making something else pass for the real deal. So Stan's skeleton was sold by Christie's in 2020 for $31.8 million. Jeez. That is a lot of money for fucking yeah. dino bones, right? Yeah. So Larson suspected that the replica bones that were cast from stands had been added to the Shen skeleton so it could be sold at a higher price. 
So in its original sales materials, Christie's claimed that the Shen skeleton was one of the largest, most complete and widely studied T-Rex skeletons on Earth. That is such a wide claim. And, you know, if ever it's proven that fossil fraud had indeed been committed, then, you know, what a what an embarrassing thing. So it did mention that about 80 of Shen's bones were authentic, but Larson's observations cast doubt on whether that description was accurate. So the Shen skeleton was briefly displayed in Singapore in late October ahead of its now cancelled auction. So yeah, okay. there you go, well, guys. Guess it's not thing. that easy to, you know, procure a T-Rex skeleton like your. So if you were planning on doing that, Andra, and you're planning on displaying that in your living room, I guess you know you're out of luck. Yeah, in my, Sorry. In my bougie house. Yeah, but um, mm. good thing they didn't end up selling Shen because of this whole fossil fraud thing, because that would just tarnish his memory, you know. I know. Poor, Poor thing. Shen. Poor thing. Poor Shen. Poor Shen, who probably lived, you know, a full prehistoric life. And that is all the time we have in this week's episode of WTF. Do tune in again same time next week. Right, Sam? Yeah, yeah, okay. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah, all right. Sure, 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 See sure. you then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a Coco Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership. Make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron or buy your fresh merch at the coconut shop at shop.coconuts.co. Advertise with our in-house agency Grove. Fast, funny, digital. Join forces with us to slay buzzwords, rise above the noise, and sow the seeds of something great. Get in touch via coconuts.co slash grove. Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting for journalists on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news on matters large and small designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Sam Beltran and Andre Nazri. Our executive producer is Clarissa Cortez, and our editor is Vivian C. 